Glad you're here this morning. Pretty cool being out here at Grand Park. This is our first time to be here. I don't know that we have any visitors from the neighborhood here this morning. That matters, but what matters more is that we're here enjoying Christ out loud. So if you're a visitor here from the neighborhood, uh, we it does matter. We're glad you're here. Uh, but we just wanted to put a, have a footprint here this morning. We wanted to step our our feet on this ground and geography and enjoy Christ out loud here. So um, understand what we're doing. Actually, this sermon will in some ways unpack what and why we're here at Grand Park this morning. So you'll need your Bibles. I'm a little bit concerned about this morning because I know on mobile worship it's a little bit you're a little bit out of your element. I'm out of my element. We're out of that. Um, kind of contained environment of a sanctuary over there on the south side of town where we can really focus. And it's easier to engage a really rich, robust truth there. And it's, you guys, kind of the thought on a mobile worship, we want to hit something a little bit lighter. This isn't lighter. So if you're distracted, I really encourage you, I'm, as I pray, I'm going to pray along those lines that the Holy Spirit will just give you a divine attentiveness and that he'll encourage me to press on despite uh, maybe looking around, checking out the park, and beautiful day. So, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the sweet privilege of stepping outside this bit, the building that you've given us on the south side of town. We are grateful for it. Lord, we beg that we will never be enslaved to it. We thank you that the church is mobile and agile and that we can pick up and go anywhere and enjoy you. And Lord, uh, this morning, I pray that you will find a people planted at Graham Park Enjoying you for your sake, for, for your glory. Pray that neighbors, people that live around this park, will hear the, uh, the songs and see the people sitting at the table and recognize that there's something that's worth uh, pursuing and walking after and being part of. And whether it's their local church or whether it's this church, that it will move them to engage. That we have a Lord that's worth picking up and mobilizing. Lord, I pray also that uh, it will create conversation for folks that live on this side of town, trying to understand what's taking place here. Lord, we pray that that conversation will give glory to you. Pray also for our people that it will help us recognize that that building on the south side of town is not a church. It's a building. And the church are the people of God. Lord, I pray that you will just give us a, um, an attentiveness this morning that's unusual for a park and outside of our sanctuary setting. Pray that we can engage the Word in a rich, robust way that, that makes tomorrow different from today. I pray for the men, especially this morning, Lord, for a, a divine attentiveness and attention and a sensitivity in their hearts to the Word exposed, that men will go home changed and that our churches will be different, um, our homes will be different, and you'll be enjoyed more. Lord, also, while we're here on the, now, on the north side of town, we want to pray for North Baptist Church, a church near this uh, park. Lord, we want to pray that they are enjoying you. I pray that their pastor is wrecked by the word, that it's spilling over onto his family, onto his marriage. pray that you are being enjoyed in that church, Lord. We pray for a true partnership with that church as well, whether it's an a actual expression or just a mindset that cheers for each other, that begs for great things for each other for your sake. We pray that they won't have room for, um, they, that they won't have room to seat everybody. Lord, thank you so much for a, um, a Lord that's worth enjoying this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Turn to 1 Timothy. <clears throat> I 
We're going to look at one verse in 1 Timothy this morning. Typically, we're in the book of John. Not typically, but as a people for a period of time, we've been journeying through the book of John. But we're not enslaved to the book of John. This morning, we're actually going to just have a one Sunday sermon from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 8. Passage reads this way It says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Paul wrote this letter, this 1 Timothy letter, to a guy named Timothy. That's why it's called. 1 Timothy. He wrote a couple of these letters, at least that we have. Paul was a church planter. He's writing to Timothy, who's a pastor. And he's writing to him in this letter about what church should look like. It's an important letter for us, and it's something that I want us to be really attentive to this morning, just to kind of escort you into the gravity of it. Don't you think about it like, like this. Luke is part of a scout group, Cub Scouts group, Um, We're not part of it this semester, but in previous semesters we've been part of it. And they have this little exercise where someone will create a story. They have all the boys sit in a circle and that someone will create a story and tell that story to one boy. And then the boy will then tell it to his neighbor and then it'll go all the way around the circle. And then the last boy tells the story as he heard it from the first person. And you'll see that this story just morphs into this weirdest thing that has nothing to do with the initial story. And I'm fearful that If we define church as what church is and ought to be by what our previous church was, then we could end up with a distortion of what it's supposed to be. So it's helpful sometimes to go back to the person that originated the story. And that's what we're doing this morning as we engage Paul's conversation with Timothy about what church is supposed to look like. We're turning to the one who started this story, the inspired writer, Paul, about what church is supposed to look like. This is the source for robust, true, original, and I love this word, vintage church. If we want to be a true, original, vintage church, this is a great place to go. Paul has just been talking in this letter or writing in this letter about prayer. He's been talking about supplications and prayers and thanksgivings and that those should be made for all sorts of people. For kings and all in authority. We looked at this just a few weeks ago right after the election. Paul's message to him is to pray for the rich, the poor, the kings, the paupers, the old, the young, the tall, the short, the loathsome, the friendly. Pray for all sorts of people. For God desires all kinds of people to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the message in the previous verses. And then here in verse 8 he says, I desire then... Following on from what I just said about prayer, I desire then that this should be the character of prayer, that it takes place in every place and that men should pray with holy hands lifted without anger or quarreling. There's three things I want to engage this morning. The first thing is Paul's desire for the men. This is a very dude-specific desire. I'm going to show you that briefly. Let's just keep reading. Verse 9. Now, let me prepare you before I keep reading. Women, don't get your dander up. It, it's, it's a pretty, pretty dangerous passage. And it's one that I would preach or teach on a Wednesday night as a separate encounter. I'm not going to unpack it. I'm going to read it for the sake of contrast. Listen, I'm going to start again in verse 8. I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, 
with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. I'm just going to bring out a few of these ingredients. The woman, the role of the woman, Paul's desire for the woman is that she's respectably adorned, modest, self-controlled, learning, that she's submissive, not teaching men. And then in two verses, verses 11 and 12, that she's quiet, that she's bearing children, faithful, loving, holy. And again, he says that she is self-controlled. I'm not going to unpack those things. So don't get bogged down on those things. They're in the, in the book. They're in that original design. But I'm not going to go there. I'm pointing those out to point out that Paul's expectations of the women are distinct from the praying man. Sometimes when you see man in our Bible, it's regarding mankind, humankind. But in this case, it's dude-specific. Men are to be praying. Consider this reality. When the world was deluged with a flood, who did God give instructions to? Mr. Noah, not Mrs. Who built the ark? Noah, Mr. Noah, and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, not the Mrs. He gave instructions to the men to build the ark. On the night of the Exodus, it was the man who slayed the lamb. It was the man who slathered the doorposts. It was the man who made sure that everyone was inside. He ensured that mama made the herb roasted lamb and left the leaven out of the bread. It was the man that did these things. It was the man who ensured that the loins were girded and that the staff was in hand. And it was the man who hustled his family out at midnight. Paul's desire for prayer here is dude specific. So in some ways, the men of the family and the men of the church serve as priests interceding on behalf of the family in the church the men serve as priests, these Godward priests that are praying, Godward readying them for rain, lots of it. Readying them for midnight as a mediator, praying while the wives are learning quietly and having babies. Man, I know I'm pushing some cultural buttons right there, boy. I know it, it's right there in black and white and red. Cultural or not, remember, this is the robust biblical, true, original, vintage story. It's timeless that we can go back to and get to the person that originated it. The picture here is of gentle men who tenderly care for and lead their families and lead in their churches in Godward conversation. Dude. Specific. So know this, men. Youth, men, boys, young single men, Young husbands, older husbands, know this. A man with his spiritual hands in his pockets, I'm going to say it, is no man at all. He's a sub-man. He's a quarter man, a half man. He comes into full manhood as he leads his family and leads his church in prayer. That's a man. 
real man. Young husbands, young single boys, young single men, boys, you need to realize that you are being equipped for this sort of leadership right now. If you're sitting here saying, okay, I see it there, I believe it, I wish someone would show me how to do that, that's what we're doing right here. And where do you start? Praying for your families. Praying for your church. Men leading out spiritually. Now, let me promise you this. As you do that, men, you might be doing that for the first time or you might consider, hey, I need to do that for the first time. I promise you this, it will be weird. It will feel unnatural, especially, men, if you hadn't been doing this because your family's going to look at you like, huh, that's kind of weird. I know you, Dad. Your feet are made of clay and you're going to lead us spiritually. You've got to start somewhere. And now's the time to do it. And hopefully the rest of your family is hearing this charge and you can show them that you are teachable like you would hope that your young boys and girls would be teachable. You can show them that you will follow the leadership of your church as they expose the word, this timeless message, by going home and leading your family in prayer. Just start there. You don't know how to do it? Ask everybody to close their eyes and start talking to God on behalf of your family. That's a great place to start. I promise you it'll feel weird and it'll feel unnatural. The only thing that comes natural for me is sin. So it will feel unnatural. But it gets sweeter. And it gets more natural and more normal with time. The second thing I want to point out this morning, the first thing is that it's dude-specific. Men are to be leading in prayer. The second thing is the character of prayer. The character of the prayer of the praying man. Two things is that, first, with lifted, holy Hands. This is the vertical component. There's a vertical and a horizontal. I'll deal with a horizontal in a minute. The vertical component first is holy hands. Turn to Exodus chapter 30. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 30. As I read this passage, I want to kind of put this little bug in your ear and your heart. To recognize that the hands are a metaphor for the heart. Listen to this passage. God is speaking to Moses about what the tabernacle is supposed to look like. How it's supposed to be set up as they embark across the wilderness to the promised land. Here's how the tabernacle is to be set up. And he says to Moses, you shall make a basin of bronze. This is in chapter 30 verse 17. With its stand of bronze for washing, you shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. Now listen. Listen to the gravity of dirty hands. It says, When they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to, with, to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so that they may not die. If you were one of these guys, would you be paying attention? You recognize the holiness of God as that powerful? You come with dirty hands and you're dead? Man, where's the lava soap? Where's the, the steric-clean stera stuff that you always see Rhonda Kimball washing her hands with? Give me some of that. I'm going to see God and I don't want to die. It says, they shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. Hands is a metaphor for the heart. 
James understood this. Listen to this passage in James. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Is he talking about go, go get some soap and wash your hands? Not James. James is talking about where this Exodus passage was pointing to. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He goes on to say, this is, this is what washing your hands sounds like for the believer. It says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Character of the prayer for men is that we come with holy hands. We don't come with dirty hands. When I was a stationed in Southern California years ago, I was part of a church. Pastor gave an illustration about this. He told us, he said, I want you to imagine that uh, you're a young man. Your dad has a cool old 57 Chevy or something like that. You know, some cool old vintage car. And He's like, hey, Dad, I know you treasure that car, but can I borrow the keys and go take it out tonight? I want to go for a ride and go hang out with my friends. And Dad says, mm, I don't know. But then he said, okay, I trust you. Here's the keys. Pitches them to the young lad. Lad takes the 57 Chevy out for a drive with friends and just beats it all to egg. The thing comes back with the bumper hanging off, the flat tire, sputtering, coughing. And he comes inside and says, hey, Dad, what's up? Pitches him the keys. Dad says, how was your time tonight? Son? Oh, it's great, Dad. I'm off to bed. See you in the morning. Or, Dad, hey, uh, can I have any dinner left over? You got an issue you need to reconcile with your dad. And what it's like when we come to our God with dirty hands, it's the same thing. We've wrecked the car. We need to reckon with our dad, our Abba Father, and say, God, I've, I've done a disservice to the trust, special trust and confidence that you put in me. And I ask for your forgiveness. I've wrecked the car. And the man, the character of the manly prayer is that we come with holy hands. The charge is to wash up, to holify, to purify when you come to your God. We wash our hands and how we wash our hands is not with soap. We wash our hands as we believe in, savor, enjoy, worship, abide in, gnaw on, and obey our Jesus. When we do that, all those things are difficult to quantify. But when we do that, the blood of Jesus cleanses our sins. And we come to him with holy hands. The second thing that's true about the holy hands is that they're lifted. Remember when I was a kid, I grew up in a very, very traditional old Southern Baptist church that I still have great affection for. But I remember as a kid, the first time I ever saw anybody put their hands up in worship. I remember as a kid sweating. I mean, for real sweating, because that was just, you're not supposed to show any sort of outward expression. And the picture here is of lifted, make no mistake, of lifted holy hands. This was a cultural norm for this context. When they prayed, they prayed with lifted hands. And there's some cool pictures of the lifted hands. It's a picture of searchability. When I was a little boy, my parents tell me that I was good at finding the fudge anywhere in the house. They'd make fudge and then go hide it. They could hide it in the freezer. They could lock it. They could do whatever they want to do. I was going to get it. I saw pictures of me with fudge on my face. And they're saying, hey, Ben, did you get in the fudge? No, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Imagine that image where the fudge is all over your face and now put it on your hands. A picture of searchabilities and you're lifting your hands saying, look God, no fudge. Look, they're clean. I've been cleansed in the blood of Jesus. I'm cleansed by my faith and trust in Him, by my obedience in Him. Please, look, they're clean. Search me. It's also a picture of dependence. Envision this. This is a little metaphor I built. Raised hands are to the worshiper as open mouths are to the baby bird. You ever seen a little nest full of baby birds? They're all sitting there with their mouths wide open waiting for mommy. When mommy shows up, give me! That's the picture of raised hands. It's a picture of dependence. And we look and lift and orient Godward for nourishment and for life picture of searchability it's a picture of dependence it's a picture of vulnerability how many times you've seen a movie where the enemy surrenders to the other or the one army surrenders to the other guys and they all come in with their arms raised or where the police bust into the house and the bad guys and say get your hands up when you raise your hand you're saying okay i surrender so as the praying man lifts his hands His holy hands in prayer, it's a picture of searchability. It's a picture of dependence. I need you. It's a picture of vulnerability. I surrender to you, God. So that's the vertical component of prayer. The other component is the horizontal component, that the praying man is to pray without anger or quarreling. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. This is so important for all y'all. I just want to encourage you, please don't be distracted. Please engage this. Because I promise you there will be a time, if it's not right now, where you will be angry at somebody in the church. And where you could potentially quarrel with someone in the church. This applies to every single one of us. Listen to this. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mountain, verse 23. Chapter 5, he says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, you remember, oh yeah, man, I'm crossways with my wife. I'm crossways with an elder. I'm crossways with all the elders. I'm crossways with my teacher or with a friend. Leave your gift there before the altar, before you go to worship, and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You see the order of marks there? You reconcile horizontally before you try and go engage and enjoy vertically. Without quarreling or anger, the character of prayer for the praying man. Look over in chapter 6, verse 11. It's a very familiar passage for us, the Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Yeah, man, I love that thought, God. But then it goes on, as we have forgiven our debtors. Uh Uh-oh. As we have forgiven our debtors. Lord, forgive us like, forgive me like I forgave my buddy yesterday. Like I forgave my wife yesterday. Like I forgave my daddy last week. Lord, forgive me just like that, please. I've reconciled horizontally. Please reconcile me vertically. Look in verse 14. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You see the order? If you forgive horizontally, then you will be forgiven vertically. 
This is so important because I promise you, you're either mad right now or you will be mad. It's going to happen. Or you've been mad. I'll tell you right now, I've mastered what this looks like. I've mastered harboring unforgiveness with people. It can happen in the church. It can happen in family. It can happen in a marriage. For 13 years, Christy and I, I had little places where she does not have access to because, yeah, well, I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to forgive you fully. And it's just in the last few months that Christy and I have experienced a marriage that's the sweetest thing I've ever imagined. Because forgiveness means that you're vulnerable. I mean, just like the posture toward God, your posture, that same posture is toward each other. I'm vulnerable. I need you. I'm dependent on you. You have access to me every place, everything that I am. Search me. That same sort of posture is true for horizontal as well. And here's the impact if you don't. Here's a great picture I'll read for you. Just jot it down. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Make sense? Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Another hot-button topic. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Listen, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's just shorten it so you get it. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers will not be hindered. That's a great picture of what happens when you're not reconciled horizontally and you want to engage vertically. Guess what? It's like going on a long trip with a flat tire. It's going to be really inefficient. It's going to be really bumpy, really noisy. You can have a difficult journey, but man, air that tire up and reconcile with that brother and make that sweet journey vertically because you're reconciled horizontally. Some of you, I want to give you a charge right now. If you're crossways with somebody in the church or in your family or even outside, go reconcile with your brother after we dismiss today. Make a commitment right now. Okay, I will do that because I'm recognizing that the impact there is that my prayers are hindered. Do your prayers matter? These things that are so on your heart that you're lifting Godward, do those things matter to you? Then you need to reconcile horizontally. The character of the praying man's prayer is that he's got holy hands lifted high and that he is to be praying without anger or quarreling. I want to tell you, too, that I'm not sharing these things reactively. I don't see a quarrelsome church. I've never seen such a harmonious people, ever. The beauty is I'm not sharing it reactively. I'm sharing it proactively because anger and quarreling are a conversation away at any moment. It can find a purchase in a church just like that. All it takes is one conversation. One conversation turns into anger, quarreling. It turns into unforgiveness. And ultimately, the corporate worship of a people is, uh, is hindered like the prayers of a husband who quarrels with his wife. I'm sharing this because at any and all times, any and all of us are capable of anger, quarreling, and division. That comes naturally. Like a little kid saying, mine, you don't have to teach them to do that. You don't have to teach the people to quarrel and be angry. It comes naturally. We come by it honestly. So it takes leaning forward, proactively engaging this. It takes divine awareness. It takes self-examination, and beyond that, the hardest part, beyond self-examination, 
is honest, straight shooting accountability. Brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister. Say, hey man, you're crossways with me. Let's reconcile completely right now because my prayers are hindered. Your prayers are hindered. And the corporate prayer is hindered. There's too much at stake for us to keep stuff harbored. Man, you see the gravity of that? It takes straight shooting accountability to keep this from finding a home in us. And it's invasive and hard, dude, I'm telling you. It's inefficient, too. This happened in Timothy's church. There's a passage here I'll read to you. I don't want you to turn there because I'm, I'm here before you are. But I want to show you that Paul was responding to something when he said he had a desire that they pray in every place with holy hands, without anger or quarreling. He's responding to what it says in verse 6. He says, certain persons, by swerving from these truths, he's just engaged some things, love, faith, a pure heart. Certain persons have swerved from these things and have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they're making confident assertions. And it's created division. It's created hindered prayers. And he's saying, man, we got to deal with that. So the thing y'all need to realize as the elders meet with families for potential membership or meet with families who are currently members, as we're scheduling right now, some of you have already been met with, the reason we're doing that is to we try, so we can try and discern, are our prayers potentially being hindered? Is this person crossways with me or with someone else? Or does this person have a critical spirit and they're a time bomb waiting to happen? that we could escort into our body. That's what we're trying to discern because of what's at stake, what matters. The proper prayer and worship of a praying man looks like this. It's a man that's in good standing with God and man. And it is terribly, excruciatingly inefficient, hard work to stay in this place. But we've got to be about it as a people. It's unnatural, and it involves penetrating questions and a commitment to stick it out. Because it's easy to fake dirty hands. It's easy to fake it, lift them, like thinking, ah, everybody will think they're clean, but they're not. And it's also easy to fake being reconciled with your brother. Meanwhile, anger and quarreling boil. So here's the picture. We're surrounded by plenty of other places to go to church. And whenever anger or quarreling potentially come up in a church, it's easy to jump ship. Go find you another church. Yet nobody's mad at you yet. You're not mad at anybody yet. That's easy. You can do the same thing that people sometimes do in marriage. We've fallen out of love. It's gotten hard. I'm going to dispose of this one and move on to the next. You can do the same thing with your church. But we are charged with sticking it out. We are charged with reckoning with that. Just like we can't bail on God, we're charged with keeping a reconciled list Godward and a reconciled list horizontally. When stuff comes up, you can go to a new church where you're not confronted about your hands or your heart, or you can stay where you are but keep folks at arm's length. I'm good at that. I know what that looks like because I've done it for 13 years with my wife. That's running from a problem is what that is. And church bodies become disposable when you just bail or move on. Third thing that's true of prayer, the praying man, and it will explain why we're here today, 
is Paul's desire is that this takes place in every place. The original language is a phrase that's in Ponte Topo. Topo, you might recognize if you ever had a topo map, you've ever been hiking, topography map. In every place in Ponte Topo. I'll, show, I'll share with you where this comes from. It comes from Genesis chapter 1. When God made man, he gave them this charge. He said, Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This was the charge for mankind. This is your job description, man. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's where this phrase, in Ponte topo, comes from. In every place. It's a picture of filling. It's a picture of multiplying. It's a picture of invading. And Paul used this phrase often. It was a pet of his. He used it in 2 Corinthians, a passage that I've preached from before that really has become a theme passage for who I hope and pray we are. Listen to how it's used. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him in Ponte Topo. In every place. And here's what spreading the fragrance of Christ, this Godward fragrance of Christ looks like. It says, For we are an aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the ones who are perishing, we are fragrance from death to death. Ooh, yucky. <laughs> These guys are talking about women being quiet and teachable. Ooh, yucky. I pass. These guys are talking about men praying and leading their families. Ooh, yucky. I pass. No thanks. To some, it'll be a fragrance of death to death. But to the other, it'll be a fragrance from life to life. Some people will hear that and go, oh, I like the sound of that. A man loving his wife as Christ loved the church. And a woman submitting to and following her husband, who's easy to follow because he's loving her as Christ loved the church. Some will smell it and go, oh, I like that. That's the picture of this fragrant aroma in every place. That's a pet for Paul. He uses it in other places. He's speaking to the church in Thessalonica. And he says, hey man, you guys have been a fragrant aroma in every place. And you've left me speechless. You guys have been so fragrant, so aromatic. In every place. I've got nothing to say. You've left me, Paul of all people, with nothing to say. Where this comes from, it's the last passage I'm going to show you this morning. is in Malachi. I want you to turn there. I want you to see this passage. Malachi chapter 1. It's on page 801 of your ESV Bibles. Now let me prepare you for this passage. Just in case you kind of tuned out, just in case you kind of cold, and you kind of disengaged because like this is a little meaty for me. I like something a little lighter fare this morning. Let me escort you into this. If you are walking with the Lord by, Christ, by, by faith in Christ, it's because of the truth behind this passage. If you are to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, it's because of the truths and realities behind this passage. So let me escort you back into it and listen to this passage. Malachi chapter 1 verse 11 says, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, 
My name will be great among the nations and in every place. In Ponte Topo, in the Greek version of the Old Testament. The same phrase. In Ponte Topo, incense, just here prayer, will be offered to my name and a pure offering. See my hands? There's no fudge. See that? For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This is where Paul's pet phrase came from. This is where our gospel that reached this nation and your family and your life came from. Because of this reality in Ponte Topo. What you need to appreciate is that 2401 Jack Finney on the south side of town where our church building is. That's an in every place. That's an in Ponte Topo where we gather corporately each week and enjoy Christ. Your street address... Hopefully, men and functional shepherds, single moms, hopefully that's an in Ponte Topo and in every place as youth gather as families daily. And the north side of town this morning here at Grand Park is an in every place, in Ponte Topo. Right here this morning as the people of God at Cross Point Fellowship gather and enjoy Christ out loud as a fragrant aroma. Here it is. Like it, smell of life to life, or hate it, smell of death to death. It is what it is. Families who live here are our neighbors. And if we have a burden for in Ponte Topo, hands lifted high, worship and enjoyment and God conversation, then we'll be intentional about a footprint and a presence here, at home, Cross Point Fellowship, and every other place he puts on our heart. This part of town has been a neglected part of town for Crosspoint Fellowship for five years. We've had mobile worship at different places in town because of the truths behind in Ponte Topo, a burden for our community. And this is the first time we've gone this far north. But if we're to have a burden for in Ponte Topo, it's got to have more than a notion and an assent. Yeah, it makes sense. We've got to have a presence. So what that's going to mean is periodically having mobile worship up here. And engaging our neighborhoods around here like we did yesterday morning. Like out loud enjoyment of our Lord and Savior right here. Periodically. Over the course of the year. Something else that it's going to mean right now that's developing. So we're working with the city at, at adopting Grand Park. We'll probably be co-adopting with the Lions Club. The Lions Club are the guys that bought and developed this property in 1921. We'll probably be coming alongside them and adopting this property to have a presence here, for families to come have picnics here, for Cross Point Fellowship maybe to come have functions here, and for us to worship out loud here periodically. Maybe to pick up trash, which is what I'd like for you to do after we dismiss this morning. Let's pick up trash in this park, in Ponte Topo. Be fruitful and fill the earth. Let's multiply and fill this place. Let's have a presence here, and let's enjoy Christ out loud here. I want to close with one thing. I, you don't need to read this passage. You don't need to go here. Just listen to it. Listen to how it develops. Matthew chapter 10. is a picture where Christ is preparing his disciples to go out. You may have a thought this morning as we're talking about having a dedicated presence here on the north side of town. You might think, well, what about the south side of town? 
or as we talk about Kazakhstan, or as we talk about Jordan. Well, what about Granville? You might be thinking while we're talking about this north side of town, Grand Park, what about 2401 Jack Finney and the neighborhoods that surround that park or that area? Listen to this picture. This is the good news about having a in Ponte Topo focus. Jesus is about to send out the disciples. And in chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Jesus sent out the disciples. He gives them instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now here's the good news. In, in many ways, consider him sending them out into in Ponte Topo. It hadn't gone to the nations yet, but at least go to Israel first. It's not ready for the nations yet. But go out into this geography. Go out and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he's sending them out. And then in chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples and sending them out. Imagine Jesus sending us to the north side of town. When he finished sending them out, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Do you appreciate the gravity of what's taking place there? He's saying, have a burden for Kazakhstan. Have a burden for Jordan. Have a burden for the north side of town. Because I'll take care of the south side of town. I'm going to send you out to the lost sheep of Israel. And guess what? I'm going to go to your hometown and teach and preach. Man, I'll take Jesus teaching and preaching on the south side of town in our absence. He'd probably do a better job of it. Think about that beauty. The Lord just wants us to have an otherness focus. He wants us to not have this focus that it's all about us. He wants us to be focused on the nations, burden for the nations, burden for the north side of town, burden for Kazakhstan, burden for Jordan, burden for everything but us. He wants families to have a burden for their neighbors, something outside of them. It's just in keeping with his character. Let me pray. <clears throat> Lord, this morning we want to we want to pray with lifted holy hands. Lord, first of all, we want you to search us and just examine us and consider, is there any fudge? Personally and corporately, Lord, if there's any sin, I pray for cleansing, and I pray that by the blood of Jesus alone. I confess that that's the only detergent that can cleanse the sin. Lord, if any of us are crossways with each other, husbands, wives, kids, parents, if any of us are crossways with each other, families to families, that you will just reconcile all of that, that you will level the ground, that we'll come together with arms lifted up, vulnerable, dependable, or dependent and searchable. Lord, we pray that you will forgive us of our sins so that our prayers will not be hindered. Lord, also we want to pray for the families on this north side of town as we are here physically in Ponte Topo. We pray for families that live near here that don't know you, Lord. We pray that they will come to know you either through this ministry or through the local ministries up here that they will be fueled somehow by worship and wonder taking place even yet today. Lord, we pray that those families who do know you will recognize that we have a Lord that's worth leaving a perfectly good building to go sit out in cool air in an unfamiliar setting and enjoy you out loud. Lord, I pray for the men in this church and the men on this north side of town that we have the chance to engage, that men will do what men were designed to do, be in right fellowship with you and with man. 
Lord, I pray that men will do what we've been designed to do to lead lovingly, gently, tenderly, families and church. Lord, I pray that the families will be ministered to in a way that they're not currently by men that are stepping out into the scary place of leadership. Lord, I pray for worship. I pray for the worship on this north side of town that even for a moment today, we thank you that worship has taken place and it's about to take place in song. Lord, we pray that worship will, will just continue like a little spark. The churches that are on this north side of town, that they will enjoy you out loud and there'll be a fragrant aroma on the north side of town. We pray for the churches up here that they will never be in a competition with each other or with us, but that we'll be true teammates with a gospel that's so ample, with a Christ that's so unifying that you'll guard us from ever having a spirit of competition Lord lastly we're thankful for the opportunity to have a presence this morning we pray for more presence pray for families to come and have picnics here I pray that Crosspoint will find opportunities to have functions here that we will plant our feet and have a footprint here in Ponte Topo for your namesake for your glory. We pray these things this morning in Christ's precious name. Amen. Now this morning, for the rest of our time together, we're going to sing loud as we can and enjoy Christ as loud as we can and be as fragrant and as sweet aroma as we possibly can before we dismiss. Let's sing. Just a couple of brief thoughts before we uh, dismiss. Whenever God sent Abraham to the promised land, to Canaan, the first time they entered the promised land, just as a man and his little family, he said, I, you go to this land, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. He didn't give them all the instructions. He said, you go. I think that's a pretty good picture of whether you're deploying to your family with this sort of hands-raised Godward conversation. And, I was about to say or, because it shouldn't be or, it's and, you're deploying to the north side of town with this hands-raised Godward conversation. He's not going to give us a plan. You might say, well, what's your plan for connecting to this side of town? Well, I don't know. He's going to show us. And it may not look like something that has phases. (laughs) It might just be families having picnics up here. It might be the mom's club that kind of gets together with the kids just coming up here and playing on these cool slides that the kids have been aching to slide on this whole time. It might be us having periodic functions out here. It might be us just worshiping out here. We have to live by faith and not by sight. Because if we're living by sight, we might just say, well, this, you know, none of our neighbors came. None of the neighbors that live up here came as far as we know. So ah, it, was a, it was a bankrupt. It was a, a I don't know looking for some illustration for something that would be a, a blank. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And we trust that when he says, you go be a fragrant aroma somewhere, I'll do something with that. You may never see it this side of glory. How about that? So we just have a presence up here. Enjoy Christ out loud up here. That's what he tells us. This passage that I read earlier, where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he, he reminds them that they're a fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place in Pontitopo. Here's the character of it, whether it's supposed to be in your home, not or again, whether you're actually being this in your home or in your church or in your neighborhood or at Graham Park. Here's what it looks like. 
He says, you're going to be a fragrance from death to death to some, fragrance of life to life to others. And then he says, who's sufficient for these things? We can't figure this, this thing out by ourselves. And then he says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. That's all we're doing today. We're not peddling anything. We're here speaking in Christ. And men, I encourage you, and functional shepherds, moms, single moms, I encourage you, just speak in Christ at home. Just go home without a plan. Go to a land I'll show you. I'll show you how it's going to sort out when you get there. Make an appointment with your family daily to sit and read the Bible and pray for your family and see what God does with that land. See how it makes, how he makes his name great in that setting. And we just show up up here and see what he does with it. And we show up on the east side of town and the west side of town. We show up in Kazakhstan, in Almaty, in Astana. We show up in Jordan. And we see what he's going to do with it. It's his deal. We just enjoy him out loud. I appreciate y'all being here today. As we dismiss, I'm going to, y'all go ahead and stand. I'll dismiss this in prayer. I encourage you to just kind of take some ownership of this place. Of this geography. I mean, it, it's our cultural mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Have dominion over it. So if you're going to have dominion over it, come up here as families and have picnics and pray for this side of town. Pray that his name will be great up here. Pick up trash. That's easy. That's easy to do. Pick up trash. There might be things that we do together as a people to improve this park. There's the potential of having like a half million dollar grant for this park in the next year or two where this thing could be turned into like Frisbee golf courses and all kind of cool stuff going on up here. How cool to be part of that? It's less about the physical stuff than it is about the spiritual, but spiritual takes place in the physical. So that's why I'm saying let's pick up trash. Let's show people that God's people were here. How about that? Let me dismiss you. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Thank you so much for the privilege of enjoying you out loud on the north side of town. Lord, we're thankful that at least for the last hour, hour and 15 minutes, that your name has been great at Grand Park. Thank you for a Lord that's worth enjoying out loud. That's such a sweet aroma. Lord, we pray that you'll find us men and women and families of sincerity, not peddling anything, but just speaking in Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.